I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Look around, look around, how lucky we are to be alive right now. Look around, look around, how lucky we are to be alive right now. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News, and just a little bit of Hamilton for you there today. Uh, actually, an appropriate uh, lead up to our next guest, our favorite independent pollster, Scott Rasmussen, uh, joined us on the line. Scott, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great, and you just put a smile on my face with that song for the intro. Uh, you, you wrote a, a really powerful piece over the weekend uh, for Deseret.com, and uh, you used Hamilton as an example. So many of us had uh, watched it uh, on Disney Plus over the weekend. Uh, but before I get to the content, uh, you have to remind us, I, I, as I recall, uh, you got to see one of the very last shows done by the original cast in New York. Is that right? Yeah, it was a, a total fluke. Uh, when my son and his wife come up to visit each year, we would take them to a show. And before Hamilton became a thing, they said they'd heard about this new show. Maybe we could get, get some tickets. So I got tickets way ahead of time. And then just before it was time for us to uh, uh, to go, the cast announced they were, the original cast announced they were leaving. And uh, talk about an incredible experience. I have never been in a theater that just had so much electricity and energy. And I remember the people who were in line behind us as we went to walk in had just flown in from Los Angeles just for this event. Um, so it was it was kind of a, an amazing thing. And I was tickled uh, last Friday night when I saw the streaming uh, uh, performance because it was filmed during that month that we were there. So, you know, it was very close to the, the show that we saw. And and I have to commend you on uh, resisting the temptation of the tickets you had bought well in advance that surely went up in value after the uh, original cast said that would be one of their final shows. So that was great to restrain on your part. We we had seven tickets, and you know my son did make a mistake of pointing out how much I could have sold them for. <laughs> and I had a little angst, but uh, but no, it was truly worth. It was one of the great family experiences. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, well, let's let's get to uh, to your piece because you you did uh, reference in particular this uh, this whole idea that we do need to look around and and realize how lucky we are to be alive right now. That's right, you know, and and in the show Hamilton, there's that upbeat mood, and uh, Eliza Schuyler, who eventually became Mrs. Hamilton. Um, sings that line about look around, how lucky we are to be alive right now, and and. 
it, it looks nice and cheery on a Broadway stage, but uh, she met Alexander Hamilton during the Revolutionary War. It's a bloodier war than most of us like to remember. As soon as they finished their honeymoon, he had to go back and continue fighting. And uh, when the fighting was done, there was the challenge of building a new country, and there was economic trauma in the U.S., uh, you know, we didn't keep stats like we do today, but the but every indication has was a very very difficult time. Hamilton himself had ups and downs, and eventually was killed in a duel uh, by the vice president of the United States, Aaron Burr. And yet, with all that going on, Eliza, you know, in the show, sings this line about how lucky we are to be alive right now. And and one of the things I liked about the show is. You know, I, mean, I don't believe the real Eliza actually said this line, but they captured the feeling that you get from reading through the history of this era. And the reason she was excited and said they should be happy is because history's happening. It's happening all around us. It's happening right now, and we're a part of it. Um, and when I, when I saw that show uh, again last Friday night, I had that same sense. You know, we... We are lucky to be alive right now. Yes, we have a pandemic, and we have an economic crisis, and 40 million people were thrown out of work, and we've had challenges uh, on the civil rights issue, and there are tensions rising in the country. And there's, It's easy to look at all the messiness of America in the year 2020, but that's only part of the story. Yeah. What happens next is up to us. Yeah, that- and, uh that's absolutely right, and and you know we 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 continue to talk on this show about uh, this idea that we we have to be present to the moment, <laughs> to make those historic right. moments. You got to be present. You can't be stressing about the past or overly stressed about the future. Uh, that ability to look at it not as a new normal. Uh, Hamilton surely had a series of things he could have just accepted as new normal, but it was the new now. And, and I love that you pulled out in your in your piece. Uh, that one of the real benefits of the show was was just showing how complicated people are the the good the bad uh, all of those things and that how the good can drive the day in the end uh, but we have to accept the fact that uh, understanding time and place is hard <laughs> going back and understanding all the motivations and all the positives and negatives within people is also a pretty difficult thing to do. It is, and and one of yeah, I, I think one of my favorite parts about the whole show uh, was this idea. They didn't show our founding fathers as stoics and powdered wigs. They were powerful people with passion and ambition, and some of the arguments were bitter. And yes, they had some selfless moments, but they all had some selfishness too. I mean, it was a messy situation driven by imperfect people to an incredible result. And, you know, when I look around right now and, and, you know, as to why we're lucky to be alive, what's been happening in the last six months is shaking things up in a big way. Uh, We do have an opportunity to reshape America uh, it'll, you know, and these windows are pretty rare that you, you get to see things shifting. And um, maybe in the last five years, maybe three, I don't know how long it'll be with us. But we can reshape uh, America. And when I talk about that, I don't mean to create a new normal. What I mean is to move us closer to our founding ideals of freedom, equality, and self-governance. You know, and, and all of us have a role to play in that. And anything we can do to move our nation closer to those ideals uh, will be a gift to future generations, just as generations that came before passed on that gift to us. And and I'm excited about that opportunity. Yeah, that that is exciting. You know, we're, we're gearing up for our big uh, Days of 47 uh 
celebration here, Pioneer Days here in the state of Utah. And uh, I did an interview this morning, uh, and the the focus was, look, it, pioneering is a is a spirit, is a thing. Uh, but in order to pioneer, you actually have to rely on the principles of the past. Uh, and I think what you're saying, Scott, is that this is an exciting time because as long as we bring those powerful principles, those founding principles, that's what's going to allow us in our new now to actually create a better future. That's right. And, and you know, it's easy to go back and criticize people in the 18th century for not having the uh, same sensitivities we do in the 21st century or the same knowledge. Uh, they didn't even know how to use smartphones back then, you know? I mean, what were they <laughs> Imagine <thinking>? that. <laughs> uh, but, um, but what they did was a little bit better than the world before, and, and the structure they set in place has led to continuous change. And I think that's the story here. It's the story of America. It's a good country. It's not perfect. It's changing, and when it's reaching for its ideals, it is changing for the good. And it's not just for us, uh, and it's not just for our descendants. It's good for the world when the United States lives up to those ideals. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed out the the idea that we can criticize that they didn't have the same sensitivities we have today. Uh, as long as we remember, the only reason we have that we have those sensitivities <laughs> is because of the principles they laid down at the beginning. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, when we talk about change and the pace of change, you know, one of, one of the things that uh, we sometimes do is we look back to those leaders and we think they're the ones who invented this. No, uh, they were capitalizing on a moment. They were tapping yeah. into something. And, you know, one of the best examples uh, of this was Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, very famous uh, famously was a slave owner, but wrote the Declaration of Independence because he thought that that was giving voice to what the American people were looking for. And those words had more power than any of our founders really understood. Within five years, slavery was abolished in Massachusetts because the state Supreme Court looked at the words of our Declaration. Yeah. That it's inconsistent. We've got to do this. And so, you know, when you tap into those currents, uh, moving in a positive direction is very, very powerful. Uh, fantastic. Scott Rasmussen, thanks for helping us look around just a little bit. As always, we appreciate your insight uh, and uh, all that you bring to us here at KSL News Radio and the Deseret News. Check out his piece on Deseret.com. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. Uh, again, thanks to Scott Rasmussen. We'll come back for one more segment. We're going to go back. 150 years. Take a look. Join us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.